This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play back in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is the final day of July, the 31st and a Friday. This is how we do it. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who happily skipped dinner last night to watch the return of the NBA, Jason Shepard. How great was that, by the way? The NBA was back, and it just so happened that the Utah Jazz were the first game. 4.30 in the afternoon, we had NBA basketball. It was fantastic. And both great games for the NBA restart. Both games came right down to the end. Both games, two points for the winner. You had the Jazz and the Pelicans for the first game, and then you had the Lakers-Clippers, which went down to the wire. It was so much fun. And, by the way, I I don't know why I like to divulge things more on the air than I do in my personal life. You should be careful with this. For some reason, the filter comes off when I'm on camera or in front of a microphone. I punched myself in the head last night cheering a play from Donovan Mitchell. To the point where I was concerned that I may have had a bruise on my forehead. (laughs) I don't know if it was the placement of my arm before said fist bump. But somehow, Mitchell hit a big jump shot down the stretch. And I went to pump my fist. And somehow, I punched myself in the head. I was concerned I was going to have a bruise on the show today. (laughs) Self-punch. All's well that ends well, though. Jazz get the win. And no bruise. Hey, (laughs) Yeah, I want to know, how happy would you be discussing what happened in the NBA last night had your beloved Jazz not won the game against the Well, there would have, it, would have been, it would have been curtailed, certainly. But just how much – look, last night, if you wanted, you could go from – which I did. You go from an NBA game, and when that goes to a commercial break, you go to a baseball game and watch that for a few minutes. You go to Major League Baseball, then to the NBA. It was great. I love it. It's fantastic. Now, hopefully in uh, a few weeks we are going from basketball and baseball to – Football. Yes. Because that's the large question. Hey, I'm glad you skipped your meal and it was worth it. The Jazz won. Uh, but just don't skip today's show lineup because it is loaded, including the impact of an SEC shutdown and how it relates to BYU. And gulp, Jason. BYU to the Big 12 smoke has returned. Ah, uh, yes. Again. Saucy sauce is Heavy on this COVID-driven conundrum. Bill Bender of the Sporting News joins us from Ohio and sheds new light on the likelihood of a college football season happening at all in 2020. Plus, former BYU defensive lineman Travis Tuiloma makes a return to the show. He's taking on a coaching role, not quite to the point of joining coaches on bikes, but a coaching role. (laughs) And we play swipe right or swipe left on BYU opponents, of course. Don't worry, it's legit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm swiping right on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The SEC announced yesterday its decision to play a 10-game conference-only schedule that will begin on September 26th. That means that BYU's game with Missouri on October 10th is no longer on the schedule. Ooh. The Cougars' 2020 football schedule currently consists of six games, all against G5 and independent opponents. Conference USA announces they will play a full conference schedule, eight games, with up to four non-conference contests. Hmm. 
The conference will leave the number of non-conference games up to the individual programs. So technically, that's a scheduling option for BYU. But the, hey, that's second fiddle. Oh, we'll to get to that in a minute. The yes. Shepherd Big yes. 12 banter. By the way, Bob Bowlesby and the Big 12 have canceled their media day again. That was rescheduled for next week. Big news for BYU baseball. Justin Sterner has signed a free agent deal with the Miami Marlins, ending his career as a BYU Cougar. Between 2018 and 2020, Sterner pitched 102 thirds innings, had an ERA of 2.86, which, by the way, ranks fourth all time at BYU. And he also had 103 strikeouts. Congratulations to Justin Sterner. It's amazing. But it had to be the Marlins, didn't it? They need players. <laughs> they need some capable, that's healthy awesome. guys. That's right awesome. Now. That's that's, Seriously, that's now two awesome. BYU pitchers who have signed free agent deals in the offseason. Yeah, Jared Lester with the Yankees, and now Justin Sterner with the Marlins. Good for Justin. Former BYU golf star Patrick Fishburn, the ginger quake currently on the course at the Pinnacle Bank Championship, part of the Corn Ferry Tour. Fishburn, five under par overall through the tournament. He's tied for second and two under today through nine holes. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Oh, the dominoes fall. Big 10, Pac-12. Yesterday, the ACC was reacted to. And now, Jason, it's the SECU later to BYU. BYU now has exactly... Zero Power 5 games remaining on the 2020 schedule of the originally planned six. Down goes Missouri. And, of course, any shot at what would have been a very fun BYU-Bama matchup to open the season. Jason, my question is, which of these multiple cancellations hurt the worst? The Pac-12, the Big Ten, or the SEC as it pertains to BYU. You know, sometimes it's the most recent gut punch that hurts the most, but that's actually not where I'm going to go. For me, the one that hurts the most is the loss of the Pac-12 games. And honestly, it has nothing to do with losing Utah. It hurts most for me because it was the conference that cost BYU the most games. You had three games against the Pac-12. So you lost Utah, you lost Arizona State, and then you lost Stanford. And then on top of that, one of those games, speaking of the game against the Cardinal, that was the final regular season game. And getting relevant, higher-profile opponents late in the season has been a concern since going independent. So you're losing a great November matchup with Stanford because of that. So they all hurt, but not having those three Pac-12 games, for me, probably hurts the most. Yeah, the game that the game that hurts the most for me is BYU losing the opportunity to play Utah to open the season. Uh, I just thought that the opportunity for BYU to finally end the streak was as high as it's probably going to be in a while uh, with all the turnaround that Utah had and the COVID scenario. So maybe limited or no fans at all. Just a couple of football teams going head to head. I know there would have been an asterisk next to it if BYU had won, but still, like it, it would have ended the streak had BYU been able to win that. So that one hurts the most in terms of a game. But as far as the conferences go, the Big Ten, that domino stings the most, Jason, because it was the first. The Big Ten let out here. And they did so before having uh, what was a scheduled communication conference with all of the Power Five Took everybody by surprise. So not only was the college football world shocked, but – 
I mean, we're talking about the highest level officials within the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 were like, whoa, uh, the Big 10 just did what? And it wasn't just football, all sports. They let out really early, and who knows why? Maybe they had insider information from the NCAA. I don't know, but they wanted to be the first conference, so that one stung the most because BYU lost their home opener against Michigan State. Cougars aren't going to get that game back. I'm confident that BYU will get a game back with Minnesota um, because Minnesota is scheduled to come to Provo in 2025, so I'm sure the Gophers are like, hey, we still want you to come up here and you know play in Minnesota. But that domino stings the most because I feel like that pushed the Pac-12 into a territory where they're like, okay, we're doing it. Big Ten did it. Now we're – we're validated. We can totally do this. Yeah, and, and it's it's true. I mean, that was the first domino that fell. You know what? And in hindsight, you know, maybe they were the smartest of them all because they could read the tea leaves and see where this is going. And they've been the one conference that has had the most clarity for the longest amount of time because they were the first ones to do it. I, I completely understand your reasoning behind it. But for me, just the sheer number of games, three, the majority of your, you know, that that's more than any of the other conferences that you lost in terms of scheduling. That's the one that hurts just because of the the sheer numbers of the games you lost. You lost three yeah. against against good opponents. I know the SEC stings because the BYU Bama conversation yes. is really exciting, and it, it really did feel like it was gaining momentum. It really did. But it's, I mean, the SEC. I feel like their hand was forced yeah. by everything that's happening. So yeah. I'm not going to say that they are the ones that sting the most. Topic number two, and uh, Spencer, tell me if you've heard this one before. What? BYU to the Big Twelve. We discussed this maybe on occasion. No, this isn't just my dream come true. No, we haven't gone back in time. There is at least rumor and speculation originating, by the way, in Big Twelve cities. <laughs> From who? Yes. That a one-year membership agreement like Notre Dame has with the ACC makes sense for the Big 12 and BYU. Spencer, my friend, how much stock are you putting into and how much are you getting your hopes up with all this BYU and Big 12 talk? I have PTSD about this, Jason, (laughs) legitimately. Um, I'm not putting any stock in it at all, Jason, because of who is saying it. I know that... It feels like a good idea, and there are bloggers and radio personalities and TV personalities in places like Waco and Oklahoma City and Norman and Austin Austin, that are saying, it makes sense. You want to play more games? We have 10 teams in the Big 12, which in and of itself doesn't make much sense, but there are 10 teams in the conference you have nine guaranteed if you go conference only, plus one. just add BYU. Make them, you know, pertain to the protocols that are set up. The Cougars need it. Let's do them a solid. Uh, they're a quality opponent. Yeah, let's let's go. Let's do it. And so why not be like Notre Dame and the ACC? So it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. As a BYU fan, you're seeing all these different personalities in these big 12 cities say, Bring on BYU. Welcome. Come on in. Orangebloods.com. You know, yeah. Jason, there's there's no validity to this because nobody with an actual uh, opinion that matters is saying anything as of yet. Yeah, that's, look, and you know how badly I want BYU in the Big 12. Like, that's, that's not a secret. Um, so far be it from me to be extremely level-headed in discussing these Rumors of BYU in the Big 12. We do not know for even certainty that they're even talking. 
Now, we think it makes sense, but we do not know that they are having discussions, meaning BYU and the Big 12. Certainly, we are not saying that BYU joining the Big 12 as a one-year member is the only option that the Big 12 is looking at. As we mentioned, all of this is originating from Big 12 circles because it makes sense. Every single person talks about how much sense it makes, and it does. It makes sense on so many levels. It makes sense for what the Big 12 wants to do, and it makes sense for what BYU wants to do and, quite honestly, needs to do. So I I agree 100% it makes sense. The other part of this whole thing that is – Honestly, the word shocking to me is how much positivity there is from Big 12 circles about BYU joining. Like, it wasn't that long ago that BYU was being ripped. Well, and like, we don't want anything to do with BYU. It's convenient now. But I, I don't care why it is. I love it. Like, I, I'm shocked at the positivity and how much, like, even if it's just normal fans on Twitter that are like, yeah, bring them in. We'd love to have them. Like, I, like my mind's going to explode. Like, wait. I didn't think you liked us. Now, here's why. It's because it, it is their hope for more college football. Yes, but look, and if BYU needs to be take advantage of that to get in, great. But, but we do not know that there is any validity to this beyond rumor and speculation. I certainly hope that there's something to it, but we can't sit here today Ugh. at this desk and say that, that this is going to happen that we know that no. conversations, we don't know any of that. No, I, I, people, I've had a few people ask me, okay, so what percent chance would you put into BYU going to the Big 12? And I'm like, I cannot believe that you're asking me this question. Yeah. Uh, like 0.0001%, okay? I'm at the Jim Carrey level in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at with this BYU <laughs> to the Big 12 conversation. I will tell you this much, BYU is and has talked with Big 12 teams about scheduling a game yes, or two. Because they've talked with everybody. Exactly. Because they've talked with everybody. Due diligence. And we learned through reports out of Big 12 country that Oklahoma State was all about the BYU smoke. Hey, come play us. We want in on that. So don't be surprised to see BYU and Big 12 opponents individually have conversations. But this whole idea of inclusion for a year, yeah. a la Notre Dame to the ACC, it doesn't have actual wheels. We, we don't want to get our hopes up, but it makes sense on a lot of levels. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. Yeah, it makes sense for BYU fans, but <laughs> doesn't make sense for the actual Big 12 brass. Well, we'll find out. They're meeting that's, Monday, by the way. That's the important They're one. meeting on Monday, and you would expect I would expect a decision on Monday from them. Hey, Jason, BYU's had some success against the Big 12. Maybe this is the number one driving factor of why you want them there. Look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you invite BYU, we will not bring Taysom Hill. (laughs) Deal? (laughs) Deal. Which takes us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Brigham Young University football is a combined 12 and 13 all-time against Big 12 opponents, but are a combined 6 and 1 against Texas and Oklahoma. The powers. I know this has been a stat of the day before because it is so shocking and so delightful for BYU fans. So we brought it back. 6-1 and one against Texas and Oklahoma, 12-13 and 13 overall, which is a little bit better than BYU's overall Power 5 win percentage. Our question of the day. How much stock or hope, 
or faith or all of the above? Are you putting into the talk surrounding BYU and potential inclusion in the Big 12? I feel like I should apologize for asking this question. Time to hear from me, BYUS, and let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in from Matt Cosmo underscore duh underscore Cougar. I want to be clear with this year. If Elvis came back arm in arm with Jimmy Hoffa claiming that he found Atlantis, I would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> the Big 12 is nothing. It's oh. pretty good. All right, coming up, coaches on bikes. The ride continues. And Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Is he buying any of this Big 12 BYU banter? And what idea does he have for the future of college football that uh, you might not like? It's BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The best of BYU Sports Nation airs Saturdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on BYU Radio. and is on the podcast feed featuring the best conversations and interviews each week. We are live on a Friday in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, once again teamed up with Jason Shepard. We now welcome on a third guest to our panel of Experts? Well, he's an expert. Sporting News National College football writer Bill Bender, friend of the program, rejoins the program on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Bill, nice to have you back on the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. What's your life like right now as a college football writer as you watch the dominoes fall with scheduling and conference only and the un... I I wish I could say, like, guaranteed future of college football. We're not sure that there's going to be a season. So what's your life like? Um, uncertainty for sure. As you look into the fall. And I think as we've looked into the power five conferences, it's five different is of how to do this thing. There is no uniformity. I know that's a long running joke when you deal with college football as a whole, when you talk about ever getting everybody on the same page, but you would have thought the extreme circumstances we're living in now would have made that more possible than it really has. By my estimate, the season could start anywhere from August 29th to October 3rd or not at all. So that's where we're at. This week, there's been a lot of hopes that maybe BYU is going to be able to start the season against Alabama. That news uh, broke yesterday that the SEC was going to go with the, with the conference only. So that is no longer on the table. How much pressure do you think the SEC was under once the ACC made its decision to do the 9 plus 1? Um, you know, a lot. I, I think I was surprised that the ACC went to a plus one and then the SEC followed suit by not by going to a conference only schedule. But I had maintained all the time that I thought the SEC would do something similar to the Big Ten, just because those two conferences drive more than $300 million in revenue to the sport. They're kind of that drive the bus. That's the analogy I always use. And I figured they would be on the same page. But when the ACC did the plus one, now we're kind of turning our attention to the Big 12. What are they going to do? I know you guys are very interested in that for obvious reasons as well, but whether it's 9, 10, or 11 games, again, that disjointedness in the schedule really sticks out to me. 
Yes, Bill, like the sands of the hourglass, the BYU to the Big 12 rumors have once again returned, and uh, I- I'm banking on it will end in heartbreak for BYU fans, but we're just trying to figure out if there's an actual validity to any of this BYU to the Big 12 conversation. Can you make a case for why it would be beneficial to both sides? Well, that's the same reason that Notre Dame joined the ACC for a year. You know, Notre Dame has always rallied around has stood firm on that and and because of the extremes we live in they're able to work with the ACC and it went both ways I mean that TV money from uh, NBC that's going to go to the ACC versus we finally get to see Notre Dame in a conference I think where it cuts a little bit different than BYU is as far as you know through the conversations with you guys and others BYU wants to be in the power five wants that you know wants to move up and um I think it'd be a unique opportunity. One for the big 12, it gives them that 10th conference game for BYU. It gives them a brand that can move into there and see if they can play with those guys and and enjoy it. And obviously there's, there's factors in there that I think benefit both sides. Um, And and BYU of the independence is that next big brand after Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame and BYU, obviously huge brands, but out of the independence, those are the two that you thought would get involved in a college football season. What do you ultimately think the Big 12 is going to do? And, and I realize there's so much speculation involved in trying to answer a question like this, and all the variables change literally from minute to minute. But realizing what the other Power Five conferences have done, what do you think ultimately the Big 12 decides to do? Well, I think they're going to do something similar to the ACC with the plus one because of the nine-game conference schedule. That's assuming BYU isn't invited into the Big 12. Um, and then – the other wrinkle at work, and you're seeing this pop up, Pat Forty reported about it yesterday, and others, I've heard other rumors about it, is the Big Ten may not play at all in the fall. They, they may decide to move to the spring, and I, I know that from living in Ohio, the same thing might happen. You're hearing rumors about what, what's the Mid-American Conference going to do. And that would also affect BYU, because they can't get into the Power Five. Do they try to schedule some group of five opponents, um, Mountain West opponents, um, Conference USA, and do they go that route? But if the group of five isn't playing until the spring um, in some conferences, that might be more difficult to do. Bill Bender of the Sporting News with us on BYU Sports Nation. Bill, you bring up the group of five conference, and as you mentioned, it'll affect BYU if they decide to go conference only in the MAC because BYU has a game scheduled with Northern Illinois and DeKalb, Illinois in October. Uh, what impressions are you getting from not just the Mac, but all group of five conferences in your circles and conversations about what they're going to do in light of the movement from the power five conferences? They have to try. I mean, you have to try to play if everybody else is playing. I mean, obviously that money, particularly from the, they call them the, the payoff games or whatever they want to call them where paycheck game or power five opponent and you get beat by 40 and then, but you get that money and it helps select, you know, your athletic department so i think they're going to try to play but i i've also think this season maybe only there's some validity to pushing the group of five back to the spring i'd do it i'd let them play five or six games i'd let them play for their own national championship i it'd be awesome to watch you know app state play well since i went to ohio university ou gets to play in that game so if ou and app state played for the group of five national championship um i think it'd be the greatest thing in the world Go Bobcats. <laughs> right. They've not, I don't think they've ever played BYU guys. I, you guys may know that better than me. I feel like a bad OU grad not knowing that, but I'm pretty sure they've never played BYU. 
I'm checking that yeah, right I, now. I, I can't remember that matchup prior to. So yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. Here, so BYU athletic director Tom Homo has mentioned that he has obviously just like every other athletic director has multiple scenarios that he can go to depending on whatever circumstances he's faced. It would certainly seem that maybe the last resort of those scenarios is going. Uh, with an all-independent schedule. How, for, for BYU, how likely do you think that is in terms of what ultimately plays out? Well, that, if you can find some opponents, rather via, via the plus-one model, you know, the ACC has that open, and the SEC shut that door. So who's to say BYU can't schedule a Virginia? You know, that'd be fun for you guys to watch that one. Or uh, <laughs> Virginia Tech or that. I didn't – I did I, – First ACC school I pulled off my head too. I'm sorry about that. But, um, you know, and in the independence, you could probably get an eight to 10 game schedule out of that. Now, if that means having to play a New Mexico ice or trying to get a Mountain West opponent. And the other thing with the group of five, like, for example, the Conference USA schedule yesterday, where they said they're going to play eight games within conference. Well, if they're willing to step out and schedule other games, I think BYU could be active in scheduling some of those opponents. Now, Bill, I want to go back to something you were just talking about. And for the record, BYU and Ohio have never played. So that, that is correct. They have never played. Maybe that'll change. Tom Homo on line one. Um, but you said you'd like to see the group of five teams play for a national championship kind of in their own division if it comes to that and they play in the spring. Are you in favor of power five separation from group of five separation along with FCS and kind of making three different divisions of division one college football? I think I am down the line, maybe not this year, but in terms of the five power five conferences and and the two independents that I think would factor there, honestly, are BYU and Notre Dame. And I say that from my view of it is those are two programs that have won a national championship in the last 40 years and they've won it in my lifetime. So I, I can say that they're capable of winning a national championship because they've done it. Now you put them in that power. Sure. You go with 66 schools and then you go with the group of five. I think, I get why the group of five wants to be where they're at, but I UCF proved in a four team format that the group five school is never going to make a playoff. So if, if they're waiting until we go to an eight team playoff and they get an automatic bid that way, I understand, but is that a guarantee? You know, is it a guarantee that a group of five school would be one of the eight best teams in the country if they did it that way, if they weren't an automatic qualifier. And that's something to keep in mind as they head to the next, uh, all this talk about, expansion i am a one of the few that i think four is fine i think four playoff teams is good and more sometimes can water down the season i'm one of those guys there aren't a lot of us anymore (laughs) well and 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 i want to take that maybe one step further because like specifically in the nba i know that uh, over the last couple of months there's been a lot of talk for people that wanted to change the schedule and have the games actually played in like late, you know, in the winter time and then push it into the summer. So they're kind of, I don't want to say using this opportunity, but this may be an opportunity for some significant change, like moving when the NBA season is played. So taking what you were just talking about with college football, do you think that this is an opportunity for maybe those seeds to be planted a little deeper for those that do want a, a, a clear division between Power Five and the rest of the teams? I think so. I think that's one thing that could happen. The other with this conference only scheduling, and you're seeing tweets about this now, is that you know once the SEC gets a 10-game conference schedule, they may really like it. They, they may just like it and not 
play a lot of non-conference games. Same thing with the Big Ten. Um, I thought baseball would do that in some ways, having the NL Central and the AL in the same region. But I think baseball's biggest issue right now, the games have already been postponed and we've only played seven games. Um, that's another college football I think we're going to encounter later. Um, but yeah, I think the regionality part is, is very interesting. Um, and then as you mentioned about the 18 playoff, 14 playoff, 18 playoff, those kind of things, a lot of this is experimentation this year. It's a one-of-a-kind season. Notre Dame may like playing in a conference. That, that's another thing that I've been asking people all day yesterday was, uh, what if Notre Dame wins the ACC? Do they like the conference or do they, this isn't for us. We're going to go back to independent. And what, what would the impact of that be? All right, Bill. Um, maybe we have buried the most important question for last, and, and we maybe have purposely avoided this. <laughs> but is this all for naught? Like, is a college football season even going to happen? Because, as you pointed out, Major League Baseball is running into significant challenges now with uh, multiple teams and players testing positive, notably the Phillies and the Marlins. So is college football inevitably headed for that and an early shutdown to the season if they try and play? There's two schools of thought with this. There's some that say, well, try to play early and see what happens, you know, get going in late August and get what you can in. And then if it becomes a demolition derby and we lose schools and players, so be it. And then there's the others. I, th- I thought the SEC's plan made sense in terms of starting late September, conference only, um, see what the NFL does, honestly, like with the NFL training camps. And if they have, a, if it's a mess with them, they can take a step back and say, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. I think baseball is going to get worse before it gets better. And that's going to have an impact on everything. And the people that are talking about a bubble, well, is there a bubble that can house six or 64 power five schools, 130 schools and all these players that with a football, I don't think that's possible, unfortunately. So my answer is I, I hope so. If we do, it'll be late September or October seems to make the most sense. And uh, obviously it hinges on something none of us have ever with in our lifetime. Bill, great to catch up with you. The pride of Ohio. Uh, we'll work on that matchup between the Cougars and the Bobcats. And uh, you keep doing your thing for the sporting news. Thanks for the time. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. You got it. Bill Bender on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Coming up, former BYU defensive lineman Travis Tuiloma joins the program. And coaches on bikes ready to motivate you for a winning weekend. This is BYU Sports Nation. For Cougar Sports game highlights, interviews, and archived content, subscribe to the BYU TV Sports YouTube channel today. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. On a Friday, he is Jason. I am Spencer. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. The SEC announced yesterday its decision to play a 10-game conference-only schedule that will begin on September 26th. That means the BYU's game with the Missouri Tigers on October 10th is no longer on the schedule. The Cougars' 2020 football schedule currently consists of six games, all against G5 and independent opponents. Conference USA announces they will play a full conference slate with up to four non-conference opponents per program. The conference will lead the number of non-conference games up to those individual teams. That said, it's technically now a scheduling option for BYU, but as we discussed earlier, it's second fiddle to (laughs) BYU to the Big 12. But is there any validity to that? 
Uh, I would ask on Big 12 Media Day, but that got canceled from Monday, Jason. So uh, Bob Bowlesby's off the hook for now. Yeah, for right now. The NCAA updated several rules yesterday for the upcoming season. Student-athletes are allowed to wear patches on uniforms for commemorative or memorial purposes, as well as to support social justice issues. Uh, Team areas will now be expanded to the 15-yard lines. It was previously at the 25-yard lines. Coin toss participants will now be limited to just two officials and one captain from each team. Also, in both men's and women's soccer, players spitting at an opponent will serve a two-game suspension. And in women's volleyball, teams will remain on the same bench for the entire match instead of switching after every set. Baseball. Justin Sterner has signed a free agent deal with the Miami Marlins of Major League Baseball, thus ending his career at BYU. Between 2018 and 2020, Sterner pitched just over 100 innings, had a 2.86 earned run average, which ranks fourth all-time at BYU. He compiled 103 strikeouts. Golf. Former BYU golf star Patrick Fishburne, currently on the course at the Pinnacle Bank Championship, part of the Corn Ferry Tour. Fishburne, five under par overall for the tournament, tied for fourth. He is two under today through 11 holes. That takes us to a Friday edition of the Best to Wear It. We're counting up to 99. Usually uh, two numbers a show now, and determining the best athletes to wear each number between 1 and 99 all time. Today, we land on number 69 and 70. Number 69 going to Aaron McCubbins, football player between 97 and 2001. He played every offensive line position in the 2001 season. Uh, 2000 All-Mountain West Conference honorable mention and 2001 BYU Offensive Utility Player of the Year, the best to wear, number 69, Aaron McCubbins. He's the Taysom Hill of BYU <laughs> offensive linemen. That's right, that's right. The Swiss Army Knife. Hey, Coach, uh, you want me to play guard or you want me to snap today? Coach, where or... do you want me? <laughs> the line. <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive. Nicely done. Number 70, another outstanding lineman, Evan Pilgrim. And outstanding is probably an understatement. 1993 first team all whack. 94 Associated Press second team all American. Evan Pilgrim spent six years in the NFL, Chicago Bears, with the Tennessee Oilers. Ooh, yeah, the that Tennessee one. Titans. That, that, that little in between time there. Tennessee Oilers and the Atlanta Falcons rounding out his career in 2000. Those are the best to wear it at numbers 69 and 70. Those are the numbers we're in right now, the offensive linemen. We're approaching wide receivers. Yes, we are. Yes, yes, we are. That takes us to the latest, greatest edition of Coaches on Bikes. Coach G, what's the assessor yesterday? Oh, man. Yesterday, man, I'm talking about what day was it? It don't even matter what day it was. <laughs> man, our guys approach every day like it's the same. First day like it's the last. Last day like it's the first. We grabbing every, every day by the neck. Squeezing the air out of it. Choke it. Get the gas to the last breath. Choke it. Man, we got a bunch of wild dogs out here. They hungry. As a staff, we trying to find an alpha dog. We can't find them, because we got a team full of them. We just ready to roll, baby. Hey, rep the Y. We believe in you, baby. Let's go. Don't be a rocking horse. Enough said. <laughs> it's 
great advice. <laughs> Don't be a rocking horse. Don't be a rocking horse. If we uh, learn anything today. A team full of alpha dogs. We can't find him because they're all alpha dogs. Gennaro Guilford and Preston Hadley, the BYU secondary coaches on bikes. I hope you realize that, that music bed is stuck in my head permanently now. <laughs> So it's not going away anytime. It is soon. not They're going away. They're riding their bikes to work every day. Day five. Yes. Well done, gentlemen. All right. Coming up, swipe right or swipe left. Don't worry. <laughs> it's not what you think. <laughs> Plus, former BYU defensive lineman standout Travis Tuiloma. How he's giving back to his team and up-and-coming players. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Summer baseball featuring players from BYU and other in-state schools is on BYU Radio and BYUcougars.com. Tune in tomorrow afternoon for our Utah College League Baseball Game of the Week at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. I will have the call on BYU Radio 107.9 FM, Sirius XM 143, as well as BYUcougars.com and the apps. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station on a Friday in Studio B, and we welcome you back with a former BYU defensive lineman standout football phenom, a guy who can probably dance better than most. His name is <laughs> Travis Tuiloma. He joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Travis, welcome back to the program. It's been forever. How's life? It's been a while, huh, Spencer? Man, <laughs> I'll miss man. you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Only a My little bit? Great. <laughs> <laughs> That's how everybody else feels, just a little bit. We miss Spencer just a little. <laughs> True. Yes. Can only give give Spencer just a little bit, you yeah. know. Okay, it's, all right. He takes all of it, you know. Just you know, what I mean? so. <laughs> well, you're looking good, my friend, and it's great to see your uh, face and hear your voice. Uh, now that you're not tormenting you. uh, opposing quarterbacks, w- what's going on in life? What What are you doing professionally? Yeah, so I, I work in sales. You know, that's my main main work, and then I just started strong side training um, this summer right as everything has started to kind of clear up a little bit. So, yeah. So you, you've taken on kind of the, the role of, of coach and mentor for a lot of the BYU linemen. Among the, the young players you were talking about, how, how, did, uh, how and when did uh, Camp Tuiloma begin? <laughs> kind of explain what that is. Yeah, honestly, uh, so, so Camp Tuiloma is um, – was supposed to start while I was playing, actually. But <laughs> at that time, you know, it's busy. We got work, got school, we got everything else in between the games. So I really, you know, wasn't in a place to, to start that yet. And I felt finally as, you know, this year started, I kind of started planning for it, kind of get things in place until – and then obviously COVID hit, so – you know, it just slowly pushed it back all the way up until, you know, basically the summer and finally felt like it was it was the right time. So, well, clearly it's in, uh, it's been enjoyable and we've enjoyed seeing your social media posts uh, as you're working with these linemen. But what walk us through what the typical training session is like and how many guys you're working with and, and what's going on there. Mm-hmm. So, um my typical training session, you know, we're, we're focused on pass rush and um, run block and being able to, to read, you know, what, you know, we need to know. Because a lot of the, you know, especially our, our young guys, they, they are 
very raw, very talented, you know, but it, alongside with all of that, you've got to be able to have the mind and understand what's going on from a physical and mental perspective. So I usually just kind of just, you know, start from the base. You know, your get off, as everybody knows, that's the most important part of being a D lineman, anticipation. And then I just slowly break things down from the get off to being able to make the play, whether it's a sack, a TFL, you know, pursuing the ball. So really just, you know, I work in phases and I want my guys to understand, you know, how to really, you know, start and finish. So you mentioned the young guys and the fact that they're raw, but when you think of BYU's defensive line right now, obviously one of the first guys that, that pops out is, is Kyrus Tonga. Besides yep. Kyrus, when you look at this defensive line, how would you evaluate the position in general? So, honestly, for me, and I've told them multiple times as we, you know, work and out, and as they're available to, 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 you know, keep preparing and, you know, sharpening their, their craft and whatnot. Really, I think any one of them, you know, can take the opportunity and become the starter. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, we all know that, Kyrus has kind of solidified his spot, but then I feel like every single one of them has that opportunity to go and take that spot. Like, for example, me, I was coming out for mission. There was already, you know, kind of guys set in place. And the more I got comfortable with myself, the more, you know, I was just like, hey, you know, this spot is for, for the taking. No one has really solidified this spot yet so that's the type of mindset that I really want people and just our BYU guys to understand that hey there's three other spots there on the on a four down D lineman defense that needs to be taken so everybody has an equal opportunity go take it you know prove yourself and, and make plays Travis, so. you played on some good defenses that were really stout against the run and found a way to get consistent pressure on the quarterbacks. BYU, in terms of sacks per game, ranked 117th out of 130 last year, 78th against the rush. So numbers that obviously the coaches want to see dramatically improve. Where mm-hmm. does that improvement need to begin for the defensive line to become a better rush defense and to get more pressure on the quarterback? Um, honestly, it just like I said at the beginning, it it starts from your your pass rush from, from your your get off right, and from that get off, you know, we break it down into different phases. You know, you you get off the ball, and then you engage right. You engage, and from there, what are you going to do next right? So a lot of the time, you know, as as D linemen, D tackles, we're we're so focused on the engaging part where. Uh, and then we kind of, you know, forget about, you know, we can finesse it. You know what I mean? We, we we can do those fancy moves that the skilled guys do. So that's the difference maker right there is let's finesse it a little bit, add some more um, pass rush moves in there, uh, in the plethora of moves. Because, like, these guys are plenty strong, plenty fast. It's just when they get to that part of the breakdown of the play where they can make a move, that's where I feel like that uh, we just need more of, 
you know. So, we and then also just looking back at myself, you know, as um, you know when I used to play, and kind of just creating something here for for these players to understand whether they're high school, middle school, and our college guys. Like um, when I used to play, like. I was kind of a one to two move guy, but evaluating myself back then, I was like, you know what? I could have done more, you know, I could have had even more moves to work off of. And I think that will be the difference maker for BYU pass rush is adding more plethora of moves onto their, their, their tool bag, you know, so the toolbox. Speaking of when you used to play, we've been talking with a lot of former BYU players and reminiscing about their favorite moments, favorite plays. What's your most memorable moment or play while at BYU? Um, uh, honestly, I don't know, but I would say for me, I'll, I'll never forget playing in Texas at the, you know, Longhorse Stadium, like, bar none, that's my favorite stadium to to have been able to play in. Um, from their fan perspective and then from our fans' perspective and just the game that we were able to put together the last time we were down there. So it was – I'll never forget that game for sure. <laughs> Understandably. That's a, so. <laughs> that, that's a good one to uh, rest your laurels on. Hey, who knows? Maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe BYU and Texas will be playing each other again. Who knows? I know. I know. So all, this they, Big 12 news getting me excited. So. <laughs> like, come on. Travis, Just great, the plug. It's great to catch up with you, man. And uh, we know that the uh, defensive linemen, the up-and-comers, the guys at BYU are in good hands with you coaching them. So uh, we appreciate the effort and the time, man. Take care. I'm excited. It's going to be great. All right. All right, brother. Thank you, guys. Travis, Appreciate it. You got right, it, man. Travis Tuolomo on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. That's a great interview. Coming up, one of our Rise and Shoutouts explains how Washington, D.C. felt a lot like Provo. And we're playing Swipe White or Swipe Swipe Right or Swipe <laughs> Left. Scheduling edition. This is BYU Sports Nation. I'm never going to live that one down. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We continue with this daily reminder, yes, even on a Friday. The show is available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. You can also download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the program. It is time for a scheduling version of Swipe Right or Swipe Left, presented by Tim Daly for Jason. Would you swipe right or left on the following possible opponents for BYU this fall to replace canceled games? So uncomfortable with this segment. <laughs> <laughs> the music alone. Okay, Jason, number one. Yeah. A game at Miami. I'm swiping right, my friend. Who wouldn't want, like, how many times have we brought up BYU versus Miami? An opportunity to play Miami again? Yeah, I'm taking that. I'm swiping right. I'm swiping left. I have terrible memories of Miami and the last time BYU played in Miami. And also, I went back there on vacation and got my phone and wallet stolen in Miami. I'm swipe. I'm swiping left. I want no part of South Beach. All right. Swipe right or swipe left. Facing 
Boston College. Oh, at one, Boston College. One million percent swiping right. I think this is a great potential matchup for BYU. Go to Chestnut Hill, play that game. Look, I, if, if it's one of the only options, sure. I'm going to say swipe left because it's, it's too far to travel. I, there's other options here. Well, you like. go to Miami, but not to Boston? Because of the history. Okay. Swipe right or swipe left, Oklahoma State. I'm swiping right. Big 12, baby. Let's yes. go. Let's, yes. let's let's keep digging in those uh, those roots. And I hope this happens. There, there are reports that this might actually happen, a game with Oklahoma State coming out of Stillwater. So, yeah, swiping right on that. Okay. Next one, Jason. Any Conference USA game in Provo. Like, I want to swipe left. I'm saying swipe right because that may be BYU's options here. So I'm going to swipe right. I don't know. Yes. If it's a game that forces or allows BYU to not play a home and road with independents like New Mexico State. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Take the conference. This is USA one opportunity game. that is there right now. Come on. They're going to play a full schedule up to four non-conference opponents. This seems like an ideal opportunity for BYU. Yep. Our question of the day. Turn off the music, please. Thank you. Well, we made it through it. How much stock or hope are you putting into the talk surrounding BYU and the Big 12? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from Grandma Blue on Twitter. Wishing for it with all the blue goggle hope I can muster. (laughs) I've missed the conference vibe. Being in the Big 12 equals big-time awesomeness. I agree with you, Grandma Blue on Twitter. Yes, it would be awesome, but I hate it because... We're going to get our hopes up. We don't, don't want to get our hopes up don't. again. May- Expect nothing. Yeah, there we go. I like it. And then maybe it happens. Time for our rise and shout outs. I'm going with the NBA. The NBA is back. We had two fantastic games yesterday. And so far, no positive tests for COVID. I'm happy it's back. Uh, mine goes to Mitt Romney, who's got my vote for president in 2020. <laughs> He said, or he hosted the Senate GOP lunch and served lasagna, salad, cookies, and brownies from Brick Oven in Provo. Now, there's a man that supports his local businesses and, wait for it, chocolate milk from the BYU Creamery. I like it. Well done, Mitt. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Thanks to today's guests, Bill Bender and Travis Tuiloma for Jason. I'm Spencer Shout out to Jason Sukanik. We'll see you on BYU Sports Nation on Monday.